Hi Chris, how are you? Good afternoon Rod, all is well, back in the shed. Um, you're back from holiday hopefully, or Let's, work sorry should I say. Yeah, definitely work, that does not constitute a holiday. It very early starts, very late finishes since Tuesday last week. If I'm sounding a little horse and a little beat that's because i am i feel like my body's been pounded with hammers it's a lot of work it sounds like it should be fun my wife describes these things as going on a jolly it's certainly not that you actually work pretty hard too so yeah glad to be back home i think that's always the outside reaction when you say to anybody i'm off to london and i'm staying over for a couple of days oh you're on a jolly so well not really i'll be in meetings and work and I'll probably just grab something to eat and go to a horrible hotel. So Yeah, I will say the hotel was quite funky. The Dutch are a lot cooler with stuff like that than we are. It was some sort of old industrial thing next to the Scientology Institute, which was massive. There's clearly a lot of money in Scientology in Amsterdam. But it was an old industrial thing that was converted. They hadn't finished the floors or the walls deliberately, which is great in one, one way because there's lots of concrete, so you don't get a lot of noise from upstairs and downstairs. But it also means that there's not a lot of air, not a lot of shelves, not a lot. And you, when you spend five days in the same hotel and it's, it's all a bit dark and dingy, it, it's got problems. Yeah, yeah, it's a tricky one, isn't it? I was in a hotel recently, forgive me if I've mentioned this, but it was kind of like a movie-themed hotel. It had a bit about Harry Potter in the bar, and I was like, oh, that's kind of interesting. And then like the door numbers all clapperboards and had quotes on the carpet. But it, it, I don't know, it wasn't fantastically done. If I'm honest, it was, it was an expensive hotel. It was a very cheap hotel, but it was just a bit, I found it a bit odd, if I'm honest. I don't know, either really lean into the theme or don't bother. And I think they made a half effort. Now, this place was, I think the word is quirky. It was definitely that, you know, with some of their choices for things. But sometimes I don't want to have to get out of bed to walk around the room to turn on off all the lights, for example. I'd rather it was one integrated switch by the side of the bed. Little things like that just need to work. Agreed. And actually, most budget hotels have got that. That's usually a given, which is normally why I stay in them, because you know they're going to be clean. I'm only there for a night or two for work. And as long as there's a desk and a bed, I'm pretty happy. Yeah, this this was not that. I mean, it was too cool for school, really. But it was also only 12 minutes from the conference center by the underground from where we were going. So that was sort of its major thing. That is a win. Right, should we get into it? Let's get into it. So we're Wake From Sleep, episode 41 for the 31st of October, 2022. Here we go. So first up, follow-up. I did in last week's show buy a MagSafe battery thing for my iPhone. I don't know what to say. It feels very cheap. <laughs> That's probably the first off reaction, which I wasn't expecting, as it's an Apple product. It is thicker than my iPhone. Right. See that on the webcam. And it seems right, though, because do you know what? You just tap it on the back and you've got some charge going into your phone. So super easy to use. Not the nicest made thing. Bit lumpy, but will definitely be living in my bag. Because even just around the house, I found myself, oh, I just chuck another bit on there. Just, you know, because I am getting very anxious about my phone running out of battery and so whilst not beautiful we'll do the job i'm shame it's not USB-C. that would be awesome well there we go <laughs> ding 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 and it doesn't seem to charge through magsafe it seems to only do magsafe to the phone so i think you have to charge it through lightning which i, I don't think i had appreciated beforehand that's interesting so if apple do go to USB-C on more things next year then you're still going to be trapped with lightning going back for at least your battery. So even if you do manage to ditch your lightning cable for your phone, you're still going to need to take one with you when you're charging up your battery. That's not ideal. No, I'm not ideally agreed, but I would imagine I'm going to end up buying some new, new accessories next year. That, that feels how it, how it goes. But saying that, I possibly won't change my iPhone next year. So maybe I'll wait another year. 
Yeah, it's a fair point. And I will say I noticed while traveling, a few people had them stuck to the back of their phones. It wasn't overwhelming, but you could see that yeah, I can absolutely see the point for having something in your bag. Just get it from the manufacturer. You know, it's going to work fairly reliably. Stick it on there and it's going to get you through your flight or, you know, when you're trying to use maps to get you to your next location when you're far out in a field or it's your subway ticket or something like that, which increasingly your phone is. You, you need that kind of reliability to have to hand. So, I, I you know, I, I do get it. Yep. No, I'm happy I've got it. Like I said, I'll probably just leave it in my rucksack and I'll keep it charged. And yeah, but oh. it, it's all right. It's you know, and it was eighty pounds on Amazon, which is twenty quid off the Apple retail price. So that's I'm fair. Right with that. I mean, I can feed back a little bit more since I've installed sixteen point one. I think we had just before we went away that I was using my phone all day, every day while I was at the conference. I had my laptop tethered to it on the days I wasn't trying out the iPad, as I said I was going to do last week. And I was getting through hard days on the phone, and I was still having 25-26% in the battery at the end of the day. So up and about for 7.15 for breakfast, at the conference, tethered, sitting in, le in lectures and things like that, giving lectures and things like that, talking to people, you know, looking things up, storing notes, all the things that you do when you're at a conference, using it as my subway ticket, paying for stuff with it. I had plenty of battery left at the end of the day, it was fine. Pro, I think out of everything I've missed out the Pro Max, definitely the battery. The battery is fantastic. Yeah, I can understand why. I, I, I like the notion of more portability. You know, my phone's so big when I'm walking with a rucksack, it taps the, the top of the phone with the rucksack as I go along with the straps tightened. So I can see the appeal of having something slightly smaller in your back pocket when you go. Yeah, I love the smaller phone. The battery is frustrating, but it is what it is. It is. Yeah, I, I thought that's, that was worth feeding back about the battery. Shall I tell you some of my frustrations about working with an iPad? Go on then, let's have it. So, of course, I flipped on Stage Manager because, you know, you've gone on and on and on about it and I thought I'd give it a go. So I you know, I tried the thing, I set up the windows the way I liked them. One day I deliberately didn't take my MacBook Pro to the conference just because I thought, no, no, you know, put your money where your mouth is, do it. And it's got cellular on it. So I thought, oh, I'll save my phone. Not that it really mattered as it turned out, as just discussed. But I was there typing away in, the, in Outlook and sending some emails and figuring things out. And maybe you can turn this off or maybe it's just me being stupid. But even with a smart keyboard, sorry, a smart, smart folio, whatever the thing. Magic. Smart magic keyboard, the uh, most expensive ma one. Ma magic keyboard. That fella with a trackpad built in. It gives you a little keyboard icon over the send action in Outlook. So the little tap to send thing is completely covered by a keyboard thing. What use is that? And no matter how different I made the screen size, it just sat there over the thing. What's that all about? That thing does get in the way. And... I don't really notice in Outlook because I just push Command Enter to send the email. But you're right, it's stupid. Which is what I did because I happened to know the keyboard shortcut because that's the same one I use on the Mac. But does everybody know that? I, I would have said not. And interestingly, Federico had posted, this is Federico Fatici, that you should turn off shortcuts and predictive in, gen, in, in system settings, general, or to turn off shortcuts and predictive and because they just seem to cause a lot of hurt and pain when using Stage Manager. So that's what I've done. And it does seem more reliable. Yeah, I, I just think that's mental, though. If you're going to have prompts to help you use the system, but something as fundamental as saving mail, they're, if they're putting that kind of thing on hover, for most people, they will use the keyboard to type a thing, not be familiar with the keyboard shortcut, and reach up to tap it on their on their iPad to do it. I just thought, I'm so glad I know the keyboard shortcut, because I'd have been a bit stuck. I was even contemplating at one point, before I remembered, oh, hang on, you just do Command D. I'll open up the web client just because this is ridiculous. Wow. That's not good, is it? It's not. I, I mean, I know I'm not iPad savvy, but I am reasonably computer savvy. I just, I, it's such a fail for that. It's an own goal. And I don't know whether you should blame Microsoft for that or Apple for that, but it's appalling. I think a lot of this is with Apple because messages has had similar problems of stuff appearing, not appearing, the keyboard being there, not being there. So 
this it's amazing they brought window into a system that didn't really have windowing but it needs a bit more time to prove i think it really does so i'm you know unless you're absolutely sure and you want the pain i'd leave it switched off my other little bit of feedback on this is just using the ipad and like i say it is a cellular one is how much more quickly the battery goes down than on my mac so i had to charge the ipad twice in the two days that i took it my mac i charged before i left i used it on the plane on the way out i sat in the in the, the lounge i used it in the conference as i said on, on the other days and i brought it back and it was on 74 percent that's pretty good it's not bad is it yeah the batteries in the max though got very good very quickly with the m1 transition didn't they yeah but it just blows my mind that I could have gone away for six days and not needed to take my Mac charger. I know I use the iPad and things as well, but that's just incredible. Yeah, I'd have proper anxiety, I think. I do charge my iPad most days. It does go down. I do love the cellular ability in it. I love when I'm on the train, I just open it and I just carry on working as normal. Or I was at a conference the other day, just an internal one at work, and I was just standing at a table waiting and it's got my iPad out and started working. And so I was like, oh, I think I'll do that. And they get their laptop out and they tell it to their phone. It takes them 10 minutes. And by the time they've done that, we had to go into the into the meeting. So the iPad is fantastic for that just carry way, carry on where you left off. Yeah, I, and one thing I did really appreciate was I just slung it in my rucksack and it went. And my rucksack was so much lighter. You know, you do actually notice the weight difference between a 16-inch laptop and, you know, whatever it is, the larger iPad what, 12 inches, 11.9 something. 12.9. 12.9. And even just there, even with the keyboard case on the thing, it is significantly lighter than a Mac. The keyboard case does make it very heavy, though. So I thought I'd give two other observations for traveling if people are interested. One is that I forget how good having your your debit card or your credit card in the wallet on your iPhone is. That you know you, you get off a plane, you jump on some random transport system somewhere in the world, you double tap it, and you're up and running. You don't need to be shuffling around looking for credit cards or things like that. You download an app. You pay for it on uh, with Apple Pay and the thing, and you've got a ticket for the subway or for the train or whatever it is, wherever you're going. And that's really a game changer. You all, with the exception of one thing, I didn't use any of my traditional cards at all with my phone, and that was just to pay for a, a very expensive meal for an awful lot of people, which is fair enough. But I suspect if I'd had the credit card on my phone rather than just my debit cards, and, that, cause, and it's corporate, that would have worked as well. So again, what a game changer. That one device, I don't need my wallet, I don't need a subway ticket, I don't need any of these things. It's my camera. And like I say, I had battery life at the end of the day that I didn't have range anxiety. It was fantastic. I'd endorse that when we went away. We took some euros with us and we really didn't spend any of them. And in hindsight, we could probably take them 20 quid in euros just so we had some change if we did want to go on a bus or do, do something where you just needed a little bit of cash and he didn't take money. I didn't take cards, sorry. We used our phones all the time. We paid for meals on it. We we were just out as a family of four. We bought stuff for the children on it, presents to bring home, shopping, you know, if you went to the local spa shop. Fantastic. Apple Pay is just brilliant. Next time I go abroad, I'm going to take very little cash. Yeah, exactly the same. I had 150 euros just in case. I spent 10. We were in a similar place. We were in the airport on the way back and my wife was buying a pair of sunglasses. Not cheap pair of sunglasses. And she was like, how should I pay? I was like, I'm kind of, I was like, oh no. Actually, let's use up some of these euros we've got because otherwise I'm going to just take them back and, and change them. So let's just cut, cut out that job. So uh, yeah, agreed. Apple Pay, now it's so prevalent and I, COVID has helped with the adoption of it. And especially in the UK, small small vendors use it all the time now. I just don't take a wallet anywhere with me. But this was true of everywhere I went in Amsterdam as well. So Holland, you know, they're, they're obviously quite progressive. They're ahead of us in lots of ways behind in some others. But again, exactly the same as the UK. And I suspect it's the same COVID story. You know, little square terminals, all the cash machine uh, took them anywhere there was a till, even little delis and things like that that you'd wander in and out of. All of them had had contactless payment systems. And it's just, you pulled out your phone, you paid, you walked off. It was great. Uh, Yeah, great. It is 
revolutionary. And it's amazing though how many people still don't use it. I know. They're scared to use it. And I'm trying to get more people into it. I've certainly found with our parents, we're trying to add it just into phones. And I say to them, like, even if you don't use it, you've got it as a backup in case you lose your card or there's a problem. Yeah. I'm trying to convert more people onto it because you just it's one less thing to take with you. It's fantastic. I'm with you. And then the the last thing also iPhone related is the the usefulness of having your boarding pass on your phone when you get to a place too. So you know, KLM, who's, who happened to fly with, I flew from the local airport in Cardiff to, to Schiphol. You know, log into the app, put in your details, boom, do you want your boarding pass on your phone? Click, and there it is, it's in your wallet. A couple of hours before you fly, it presents it, it stays in it till the end of your flight, and then you can either, it'll automatically go away after a day or so, or you can say, just ignore this in the, in the lock screen anymore. You got to scan your boarding pass a lot these days when you get to the airport, particularly if you're taking bags with you, you want to put them in the hold, they tend to be automated. You scan it there, you scan it when you go through security, you scan it before you get on the plane, more than once often. And just having that and not continuously grappling for your tickets it made me wish my passport was there too, frankly, you know, because one less thing to carry, but massively, massively easier when you're you navigating an airport with it. That stupid, and they're all stupidly shaped a ticket for an airplane as well. So it's just, uh, just a feedback again. And I've, I've done, I've used it a lot, but just how great that is when you can do that when you're flying. I'd agree. And when we went away as a family, top tip. I sent all the boarding pass to my wife as well. So we put them in both of our phones. And that way, when she wanted to go and buy something, I could stay and have a coffee with the children. She could go off and get some perfume or a book or what have you. And she had a built boarding pass. It's fantastic. And you're right. I, I'm with you. I want my driving license and my passport in my phone, to be honest, at this point. It's fantastic. I love yeah. it. And same when I go on the train. You know, I use my phone for get all my tickets to go on the train on my phone. When I go on the underground, which I've been doing a lot more fre- frequently, I'm using my watch to check in and check out. The only thing I'd say though, when you go on the underground, is I wear my watch on my left wrist. But the underground, the the scanner's on the right, and it's like, oh, I need to change wrists here. The whole thing, the amount that you use your digital wallet for, fantastic. I'm w- waiting for matter to come because I want to get a lock for my door of my shed and then that's one more thing i don't need to carry i don't need my key and then I'll, i'd be very keen to get them for the house as well yeah it's a bit more of a thought the 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 first generation could quite often go in an unlocked state so you could potentially just leave your door wide open when you go out but that's another thing one last bit of travel thing i wanted to talk about was i use the flightly app i subscribed to the flightly app flightly app i haven't in the last couple of years because i haven't been traveling anywhere but now that I'm back up and traveling a little bit more, it would seem, and I'm off again in another couple of the Flightly app, Flighty app, which I'll link in the show notes, has adopted live updates. So when it came close to the flight being a thing, all you do is you put in the flight number. You can put more than that if you want, but that's enough for me. It tells you where your flight is, whether it's delayed, what the gate is going to be, what baggage reclaim that your bags are likely to be at when you land there. If there's weather, if you're geeky enough to want to know about the plane, it tells you what plane you're about to get on, if it's an Embraer or a 737 or whatever, when the company bought it, because it knows the tail number of it. It gives you percentage stats for how often this flight is on time, delayed, severely delayed, all that kind of stuff. It's really quite remarkable the amount of metadata that the developer manages to pull out about the trip you're about to take. But the live tracking thing was just really cool. Got close to the airport, it popped up, it said, do you want to start using live tracking on this flight? And it did, and it immediately starts going, okay, I don't have a gate yet. You've got one hour 41, 39, 38, 37 till your flight. Your gate is due to be called. Oh, I've got a gate now. It knew the gate before they appeared at Cardiff. I knew the baggage reclaim I was going to be at in Schiphol when I landed to, to go and collect it. Just really nicely done app, I got to say. You know, Yes, it's $5.99 a month if you're, if you're traveling, but I'd suggest that you get a free trial with it. Next time you've got a trial, try it out. And next time you've got a flight, try it out. And if you like it, just subscribe for a month for the duration of the you, when you're going to be flying. Really impressive. Remind me next time I go away, I must give this a go. That'll be sounds like it'll be right on my street. Yep, it's good. That's all I've got for follow up, Chris. Have you got anything else? No, I think that's us. Shall we get into news and rumors? 
Actually, I've just suddenly thought one more thing. I didn't do the one thing I was meant to do. I didn't try Taskmaster while I was away, so I apologize unreservedly. I I do not know of all four works if you turn off data on your iPad. Mm, More work required here. More work required here. Okay, news and rumors. News and rumors. So just very brief then. iPad 22 reviews are now out. Pretty much covered everything that we discussed on the show. The the base iPad is quite expensive, but very good. Weird pencil set as we discussed. And the pros are basically a non-event. It was basically to summarize the feedback. Now I did stop off at an Apple store in London on Wednesday. Just had a little look around. That was the day they came out. Um, I must confess the base level iPad looks fantastic. They're nice bold colors. I think the keyboard for it, it looks great with the kickstand and everything on it. I thought that was impressive. I had a look at the iPad Pros and I couldn't tell whether they were new iPad Pros or not. The only thing that gives it away is if you look on the back, it says iPad Pro now instead of just iPad. They look great. If I was buying a new iPad, I'd definitely get one of the M2 ones, but I'm not great into it. But interesting. I was also actually just a side note. My children were saying, oh, our iPad's getting a bit slow, dad. I was like, you know what? Yeah, they're getting quite long in the tooth now. Should should I be looking? And then part of me was like, I don't even know what I'd, what I'd replace with. So maybe that's a topic for a future show of, actually, if I'm going to replace my children's iPads, what what should I replace them with? Because I'm also starting to think my son's going off to school. Should I be getting him one with a keyboard and a mouse? Or at least that I could buy him the cover for a keyboard and mouse so that he can start doing more homework on it and things. So some discussion to have there in a future state. But you've also posted a note, and I see about the speed of the USB-C on the is that the on the the base level ipad yeah it's, so again link in the show notes this is a story from mac rumors about the USB-C ports on the new the base model ipad the just ipad ones that they're speed restricted to usb2 speeds so you're, you're back down at 480 megabits per second data transfer which some of these have got quite big quite a lot of disk space inside if you do want to put a bunch of stuff on one before you head off somewhere that's not very good is it you know it's not if you're going to put go to the trouble of putting a new faster connector onto it I mean, I I, susp- I don't know if they tried a different cable. I should probably have read a little bit further in the story, but that's not a great look to put the faster connector on it and do it. And I don't know. I mean, you probably don't transfer that much stuff to and from your iPad Pro because you're not shooting video on it. You're not taking it to editing it. You're not watching things offline. You're using the streaming side of it. I don't know what the transfer speed is of the current iPad Pros, but I suspect it's better than that. Yeah, that's it is better. I mean, this one's Thunderbolt 3 or 4. I can't remember what, what number we're up to now. So, but I barely plug the thing in. I do plug it into obviously my screen, but I don't really transfer data. If I want to get data to it, I'm either doing it wirelessly or over Ethernet. So it's a non-event for me. There is a video. Max Tech has uh, had a look at looking the, with the new iPad slower USB-C port. He's normally quite exhaustive when the, when he do the, does these things, so it's probably worth a watch. He probably will have tried different cables just in case it is that. But yeah, not very good, frankly. No, USB 2 feels very dated at this point. Yeah, and why change the connector and maintain the connection speed of the last generation? It's just so backwards looking. Yeah, agreed. It feels like the old days when they used to just hamstring the consumer line just to make it differentiate from the pro line. And this is, you know, we touched on this last week. This is my kind of whinge about this is they're they're doing the bare minimum to these devices to bring them up to speed. You know, they've changed the overall design language of them the squared off sides and all the rest of it but then they don't put the magnet in for the pencil then they don't change some piece of the internal they don't do a lot with the camera they don't give you a bit slightly better they charge you more for a keyboard they make yet another accessory and it's all just a bit nickel and dimey it's not it's not a coherent comprehensive hardware refresh like apple used to do right we've made a new thing we completely stop selling the old thing or at least it's just in the channel until it's cleared out and then we're on the, we've got the new thing and we push forward pushing the whole thing forward 
they don't get rid of anything these days. They stay in the line so they can offer thing at, a, at the existing rather than the bumped up price po point, or they cut it a little bit. It's confusing. Yeah, I agree. It's frustrating that they don't seem to get rid of stuff. It's, I know we would know what to buy and not to buy, but it's more when you send somebody off to get something or recommend something. You want the buying decision to be easy, and it's not. It's absolutely not. And as you say, that, that little link you do when you're doing a bit of research and what to buy your children to replace those with, I think that'll be really useful, actually, when we talk. What is a normal consumer who wants it for? You know, you're, you're very clear cut. Use your iPad for business. You want it to do X, Y, and Z. You go for the best thing in the market with the most storage in case you need it, and off you go. And that's a simple use case. But most people are buying them for themselves or for the kids to do a bit of email, watch a, watch a thing. You know, we've got our corporate uses for them as well. But I think that'll be a really interesting thing to delve into for us. Yeah, because it is really hard to pick. And I don't mind spending a little bit of money on it because it is something they use all the time. But it's quite a complicated decision. And maybe a decision gets made up when there's a Black Friday sale. And moving on, Apple had this quarter's financial results in the last period while I was away. I did manage to pay attention to what was going on. We'll go, the, go through this line by line, I think, Chris, and we, we can have, have a bit of discussion considering we did last time. So there's a link in the show notes to the Guardian article talking about their, the report's profit earning revenue, how that's done. So this is for this quarter. They have overall done better mo than most of the tech industry. For example, we, Meta, the company we were talking about in some detail a couple of weeks back, back lost $80 billion after their results. The day after the results, when they posted how bad they were, $80 billion wiped off the stock value. Wow. That's what I'm going to say to that one. And you've just promised me to go and see how much my shares are worth. <laughs> yeah, what you bought that. Yeah, yeah. We should probably disclose our, our share purchases at some point on this show. But yeah, okay. Um, yeah, so that was the overall thing. Apple did better. They had a revenue of $90.1 $90 billion against the forecast of 88.9. So they only just beat it, but they beat it and were about the only tech company to do so. Most impressive within that was that there was still a weak dollar. So, you know, that, that was to be accounted for as part of these results. And it's the ongoing supply problems at all, particularly hardware manufacturers are facing at the moment. Going through the lines, as we did last time, and we'll start with the iPad. The iPad was down. This was just before, well, it's before the, the new iPads have had a chance to make any sort of dent in the market. Based on what you and I have been discussing, I'm not sure they will make any dent in the market, i got to say. But the iPad was down 7.2 billion from a predicted 7.95 billion. So on the iPad being down, I'm not surprised about the iPad being down. There weren't many new models and we're kind of starting to live in a post-pandemic world. So most people that wanted one for home or schooling have got one, I would suggest. So that, that doesn't surprise me. We still buy them a huge amount of work just for our, our field field workers out, out in out in the wild. So that doesn't surprise me. It's back half a step and we were saying about Meta. I just looked at my shares. I bought my shares when they dropped. I think it was last year. They dropped by 30% overnight. My shares are worth half what they're worth when I bought them. So they've dropped by 50% in the time I've, I've had those shares. And look, I don't buy a lot of tech shares. I'm very happy to disclose which ones I have. I don't have a lot of money in them at all. But I bought them because they dropped by 30% in one day, I think, I think it was. And like I say, my investment's now worth half. And I would have bought them on the 4th of February this year. So Meta dropped 30% in Feb. And since February to now, what's that, just over six months, they've dropped another 50%. It's not good. Mm, it's not good. And based on our reaction to the VR devices last weekend, I'll move this story from further down in our notes. WhatsApp went down globally on Tuesday the 27th as well. So 
it's not the best time for Meta. And I noticed, I knew about the WhatsApp thing because a few people in my my work use WhatsApp for their communications. No, nothing was going anywhere. You know, it was really obvious. People were complaining vocally about not being able to get in touch with people to do things. So, you know, these things have an impact. And that combined with things like the shares falling, that's got to be a bit of a worry for Meta. It's not good. And actually, I listened to the talk show podcast with John Gruber, and I think he commented on maybe maybe social networks are designed to, you know, be reinvented every circa 10 years or so. And I'm paraphrasing here. And obviously, they bought Instagram and they bought WhatsApp, but they haven't done any acquisitions like that re- recently where they've got the next thing and kind of TikTok's come up and started eating social networks lunch. for, And you, maybe that will happen for a period of time and then there'll be a new one, if you see what I mean, and people move on to the next thing. Um, and it's quite an interesting thought in that Facebook, considering they made a couple of very astute acquisitions, they've done nothing in that and they're trying to invent the next one and it feels like they're fl- floundering a little bit. It does a bit. There's a lot of money going to waste there. And, you know, some of the tech, which is behind it all, is obviously struggling. And let's face it, all tech companies struggle. Google stuff goes down. Apple stuff goes down all the time as well. WhatsApp is pretty fundamental to lots of people's communication. It was interesting, you know, sitting in planes and trains and airports and things like that. All the young people are sitting on Snapchat. All the young people are sitting on TikTok. None of them are really launching these other bits and pieces. So, you know, you're quite right. I think this sort of transition to what comes next and then what comes after it is quite an important thing to keep your eye on. Yeah, agreed. You also comes on the weak dollar. And I think that's why we're seeing the inflated prices. And as we discussed last week, like my iPad mini has gone up by circa £100 in the UK, even though it's a year old, I think it's all to do with the dollar. So that that is hurting us because we are seeing great devices come out. And whilst Apple are going, oh, we've kept at the same price point. And it's like, yeah, but only in certain markets because of the exchange rates. Yeah, I got my email from Apple this week telling me about my subscription up, up increase as well for Apple Apple Plus. Apple One, Apple One. Premiere, or whatever it is. It's, it's called Apple One, but yeah, there's like four different tiers. Yeah. Genius. It, it, Did you also notice it? So I don't know if you've seen this, and I am on 16.2 on my phone as a beta, but I got the email, which is odd that the news came out. Then I got the email. I think they should have done that the other way around. Then I launched the music app, and because I think it was the first app I launched that I'm subscribed to, it popped up in a in-app alert to say, your price is changing. No, I didn't so, get that. To be fair, they're messaging it to me, but I just think they didn't get it in the right sequence. I agree. Anyway, we've gone off topic slightly. So that's the iPad. Bit of a shame for the iPad. Bit of a worry based on the strength of everything we've just talked about. The iPhone was up 43.6 billion from 43.21 billion in predicted revenue. That's not a surprise, is it? They just released a new iPhone. Surely it's got a ceiling at some point. Though it seems to just casually keep climbing in the back. It's incredible. In the background, it is incredible. And Tim Cook's released comments this week saying that they can't make enough iPhone Pros. Well, that's because the regular iPhones not not worth doing and they haven't seg- segmented the market enough there but it does feel like my phone the iPhone 14 Pro is is the one the majority yeah you know, it's probably their top seller in fact even my brother's taken the upgrade from an iPhone 6s that's a big upgrade I, he bought one for himself and his wife and he's held off for a long time every year he goes oh this will be my year and for whatever reason he's finally caved Fair enough. No, it's it, the Pro is a good phone. We've discussed it enough about the, the previous version, the iPhone 14 standard is not being really up to snuff. So I'm not surprised that's the one that's selling. It's probably a bit of a shame for those people who have just been on the sort of standard iPhone upgrade path, but you know, it is what it is. Good that the company's making money on it, I guess. Not surprised that that's the thing that's shown the most growth in many ways. I Yeah, I kind of agree with you. I'm not surprised, but equally, how can it keep growing? 
Yeah, true. I mean, the thing that has shown the most growth, however, is the Mac. So the Mac is way up. 11.5 billion in revenue, up from 9.36 billion. So apparently, I saw another chart on this that it's like a 25% growth in year on year on the on the Mac. So that's just incredible. That is incredible. And sorry, I was just looking at my screen. I wonder if it inc includes things like my studio display, where that comes in the Macs. But also, they've had a fantastic year. They've got the MacBook Pros with the M1 chip in, which are universally praised. The Mac Studio has gone down exceptionally well. So I'm not that surprised it's gone up. It is interesting to notice it's going to go down in December. I wonder if that's because, and it, I don't know if you've seen the news today, but they've said that there might not be any more Macs coming out this year. So I wonder if it's because they know they've got nothing else in the pipe and therefore what's out is out. And it was, people might hold, if they've held off this long to buy a Silicon Mac, Apple Silicon Mac, they may hold off a bit longer until the new models are out. Possibly. There's also the thought that anybody who really wanted a Silicon Mac bought an M1 Mac and is just so blown away by its improvement over what they had before in terms of battery life, the screen, or you know, the, the, just the performance of the device. I certainly was with my initial M1 MacBook Pro that there's no need for them to go and buy a computer now for three or four years unless they can do something really quite stellar with the M3 or the M4 or whenever, whatever comes you know, after the M2. They, they've kind of shot themselves in the foot in some way, but just how good those first round of chips were because they are so much cooler, so much more efficient, so much more, perform, more performant than what came before them that I, I look at this M1 MacBook Pro that I've got here and I wouldn't, I can't really see a place where an M2 MacBook Pro would be such an improvement over what I've got. Oh, well, and that's the thing, isn't it? Like with the iPad it, Pro, the M2 is just a, a minor upgrade. It, it's not worth it. My wife's got the M1 MacBook Air that came out. It's fantastic. If she got the M2 one, she'd probably notice obviously the, the visual difference, but she's not needing anything now. So it is brilliant. It's it's a stunning piece of kit. I haven't saw Ventura on it yet, but that will come. Uh, but it is, it's amazing. It's such a good piece of kit. It's so well made, battery life, performance. They've, they've nailed it. Yeah, the hardware is way in front of the software you know, when it comes to Ventura, which I've been using a little bit this week and it's occasionally irked me, but it hasn't been, you know, it's not a disaster so far, but interesting. I have seen a few M2 MacBook Airs on my travels. The midnight one particularly is what people seem to have more than anything else. So you can kind of pick it out. So I wonder if people have got them because that's what was the next thing to buy. They were switching over from an Intel one or something like that, or they just really like the color and the form. Form factor is stunning on, the, on that. It's such a nice laptop with you so good on max but it's about to become bad on max i think we're gonna have a fallow couple of years perhaps unless there's something amazing in the the mac pro will may convince lots of people to go rush out and buy a mac but i'm not sure it's a bit more of a niche product i reckon the max will stable i reckon there's been a lot of people waiting to go from intel to the pros they've done that i think it will stabilize now and they're just keep doing what apple do keep iterating then keep bringing out chips with a 15 percent improvement you know if you keep your mac every three years say which isn't unrealistic or your iPad and then change, you're going to get a noticeable upgrade. But they are holding their prices. They are expensive devices. Yeah, they are. But as talked about in this show, so are iPads. Anyway, moving on. The Mac was up. Wearables were also up slightly at 9.7 billion for, from a forecasted 9.2 billion. That's surely AirPods Pro and a little bit of maybe the refreshed Apple Watches. Yeah, agreed. I'm still holding on to my AirPods, <laughs> but I, I would definitely want a new pair. I, it's got to be, isn't it? They, they smashed the AirPods. The Apple Watch Ultra seems quite popular. I've seen a lot of like, people that do the same job with me at different companies. They've got, for the first time ever, we've all got the same watch, <laughs> which has never happened before. Like I've gone to various meetings and said, like, oh, we've both got the same watch on, which feels a bit weird. And I've, I've seen that with, I don't know, four people recently. I'm going to give you an aside. The conference I was at were very interested in healthcare stuff. 
one of the things that's in a lot of people's minds when they're researching healthcare is wearables because can you, particularly people with chronic disease, can you use consumer level hardware to look at things like steps and activity and sleep and all these kinds of things that you want to be tracking and if there's something you can come out with a resolution or at least some sort of treatment for a chronic disease and every single slide showed a Fitbit. None of them showed an Apple Watch in any way, shape, manner, or form. They all talk about things. They're all wearing Apple Watches and things like that. But they all show Fitbits because they're perceived as being an easier platform to work with. I wonder if Google's changes to bring them into, into their version of the watch and everything will change this in any way, shape, manner, or form. But I just thought it was fascinating that they're not talking about using HealthKit as an integration to do this. They're talking about Fitbits. Yeah, that is interesting. But also, I guess, if it's something, and I don't know much about your world, but if it's something they're going to buy, Fitbit's obviously a lot cheaper and they probably are easier for third parties to get data out of. So I can understand that. It's more of a disposable idea. You think about it that way, but my approach, without going too much into it, is that you need to use whatever people have on their wrists rather than, be, you know, as researchers, we don't have a lot of money. You want to make use of the of the hardware that's out there. And what you really, really don't want to do is having to be going to a regulator, such as the MHRA in the UK or the FDA in the United States, to have approvals made on, on you know, uh, on clinical treatment devices, which is a lot of the sort of additional wearables come with when you're looking at gait and access and all these kinds of things. You want to work with what's in the market. So... It's quite an interesting thought if you're going to be to list, what do people buy? And I know from our data in our area that most people have Apple devices, more so than Fitbit stuff. It may be different in other parts of the world. It will be different in other parts of the world. But it's what's on people's wrists. Really, you want to work with everything. You don't want to be excluding anybody from these kinds of things. But I just thought it was fascinating. Equally, if you want to gather data, I guess, you want to gather data and you want to know they're going to wear the device. Whereas if you give them an extra device to wear, it will get forgotten. Whereas if it's what you're wearing every day, as as I do with my Apple Watch, then it, if you want to gather data on me, you've already got over the first hurdle because I'm already wearing it. Yep, absolutely. So that's wearables. Made enough more money than than would have been expected and, and good. The last one surprises me slightly. that The services revenue missed its forecast. Made $19.2 billion in revenue from a forecast of 20.1. So that's almost a billion, well, it is a billion dollars worth of difference between them. That's, we were, last few podcasts, we've been saying how impressed we are with the services revenue overall. So that's subscriptions and things like that. Something's changed there. Yeah, something has. And part of me was, and I was talking to some friends about this the other night, people are starting to cancel things. I wonder if they're, you know, if it's non-essential with the cost of living. I was talking to some friends of mine and they're like, yeah, we've got rid of Netflix. Disney Plus is going once we finish insert season here. And I was like, yeah, it's quite interesting. If people are struggling, some of these, you know, services on the top and they do add up. These monthly subscriptions do add up. So I'm not surprised it's down a bit. Maybe they needed to get their gambling adverts out a little bit quicker, which obviously been paused as I think we discussed last week. So yeah, it is interesting and I don't know. Mm. It is a bit surprising. I reckon it will, it will stabilise. But some people are struggling with the cost of living. Yeah, it's definitely an easy thing to cut, isn't it? If you think, I, well, I don't absolutely need to watch this show or, or maintain that service or do this backup or whatever it is the part of it. You know, if, if you were based on just news plus subscription, then I certainly wouldn't, I'm not bothered if that vanishes out of my thing. It just all comes as part of the same subscription. And I'll also say there's only one member of my household uses Fitness Plus in any way, shape, manner, or form. The rest of us wouldn't notice if it was gone from from the subscription. So there are parts of it if you were being very hard-headed and thinking, no, I don't need this, I don't need that, I don't need the other thing. I'll wait till, I don't know, Foundation Season 2 comes along, I might renew my Apple TV Plus subscription just to watch that. Yeah, you can understand why people have made that choice. No, I get it. And look, we have Apple One here. 
the premier one or whatever they call it because we all use apple music my kids even they're quite young they enjoy it my son just told me how he's made his playlist up on his ipad and for christmas and i was like fantastic i've got three months of that but we use apple music extensively as a family we do use apple tv plus a lot or i certainly do and we do the, we were already doing the two terabyte storage so for me this is actually relatively saving me some money even if i don't use those additional services so i'm quite comfortable with it and i provide that for six people in my family so so actually, for me, it's relatively cheap. Yeah, I, I, don't, I don't disagree. I think if you make use of the services and there's a reason for it, but I just think those people who there's only one aspect of the service that they think is useful to them. And, and if, if things are really that tough, it is an obvious thing to go in the same way that Netflix would be or Disney Plus or you know whatever else of the million subscription services that people are, you know, we've talked about before in this show, we've got subscription creep. It's happening to everything. For example, the Flighty app I was talking about before, that's another thing that sits in your Apple account where there's a subscription on. That's part of, of, the, of the services revenue too for Apple. All these other apps are part of the services revenue because they're taking the 30% cut or whatever it is. So, you know, if people are not subscribing to their comics reader app or the flighty or things like that, then that's going to impact Apple's bottom line too. Yeah, no, agreed. And interesting, you also put in they've ref- refused to issue guidance on the next quarter. So that's, that's quite interesting. Yeah, it's. I think it might be hard times ahead. And particularly, we're talking about Meta before. Some people are really struggling, and and their Meta can cope with that a little bit more than you know. Insert small company X here. I know we talked about poor Microsoft being the third in the console market, you know, a couple of weeks back. But there are smaller players that are really going to start struggling. If you're a niche PC maker of some way, shape, way, manner, or form, it's it's hard times ahead. Yeah, agreed. Agreed. Good. Okay, that'll do us for Apple Apple's earnings until the next quarter, which may be an awful lot lower. But I got to think it, this won't show next quarter. You've got the Christmas quarter coming up. People have been putting off buying iPhones and buying various parts and things for their family. Well, it won't show in the next one. It'll be the one after. Yeah, you're probably right. It will be masked, won't it? Yeah, it will. Good. Okay. Apparently, iOS sorry, iPad OS sixteen point two is out. Yeah. So the beta, the beta iPad OS sixteen point two beta is out, which brings back for me. External monitor support, which is fantastic because I've got you on one screen and I've got my show notes on the other screen and a web browser, which is all I want. And this is why I love it. This is why I like Stage Manager because in the old days, you it would always turn off your camera if you used a different app and it doesn't do it. So what I don't understand is why they took it out because they've done nothing to it in the time that they, take, they took it out of the previous beta, which is frustrating. But for me, very happy it's back. If they release this as is, I will be happy because it does what I want. I use one iPad now. I've got a camera on it. And I've got my screen. I'm very happy with it. It is buggy, but it is a hundred times better than where we were a year ago when we didn't have it. But they still need to keep doing a lot of work on it. So I just want to mention that. Second one up is it looks like the home upgrade stuff's coming for Matter. So when you've got all your stuff on 16.2, so your, your TVOS devices, your home pods, your phones, your iPads, you'll be able to upgrade your home to a newer version of the underlying way it works. It's apparently meant to be more reliable. So I'm guessing this is getting it matter ready. So I'm quite looking forward to that because I don't know if you get it, but now and again, you go and flick a light on and it doesn't work or something. So I, I think that's quite exciting. So I'm, I'm quite looking forward to all the home stuff. And final point was Freeform. We talked about it last week. The app Freeform is now part of iPadOS 16.2 and i iOS 16.2 and I'm sure macOS Ventura 13.1. So I'm trying to remember all the numbers. And Freeform is our app for taking notes and having like an infinite canvas. And I've this is my key driver for getting this is I wanted to try it out for note taking as we've discussed. 
it looks fantastic on the face of it. So it's an infinite canvas. You can write on it using the standard sort of writing tools that you get, say, in the existing notes app. You can put box on it. You can put photos in it. It's fantastic. The only thing it doesn't seem to do, though, is sync, which is a bit bizarre. It will come, but it's turned off by default. It's annoying for me because I wanted to use my mini iPad to try it out as more of a notebook. So I can't really do it until it syncs. I'm a bit nervous about putting anything critical in it if it doesn't feel like the data is syncing. But it is for free app built into the OS. Fantastic. I'm amazed it's built into OS and not downloadable. I thought they might have changed their stance on that. But no, it looks really good on the face of it. I'm keen to see where they go with it. Mm, that sounds interesting. I thought that was one of the things. That you should be able to share it with other people as well, right? I thought that was... or am I... Yeah. No, you're right. I, I, my, my, my predominantly reason for using it isn't for that. It's more for my personal noting. But yes, you like we do with our pages document. You can invite somebody in and share it, and they can draw in real time as you. I haven't tried any of that. Maybe once you've got got this on later in the year, we can we can try it out. Definitely. No, sounds interesting. I thought it was interesting when they displayed it before, but no, that's that's very good. It's interesting when you're talking about the home upgrades. I guess. So much of this is dependent on the other services you're using within it. So for me, with my Hue light bulbs, for example, I don't know if they've been updated for Matter. It can be a software update. Yeah, so I don't think all you... So I've got these Eve plug sockets, and they are quite chunky in the UK, and they're, but they're very good. Um, and, but Eve brought out a new one, and annoyingly, it looks exactly the same as the old one. And they've, the new one's got thread on it, and all of mine haven't. But I still think you can upgrade your home infrastructure, so your Apple TVs, your iPads and all of that. But you obviously will have some devices in a legacy mode in essence. And I'm assuming they will all still carry on working. I'm very much expecting I will move to matter devices over time once you've tried some out. But it's probably why I've bought nothing for the last year for the home, because I want to see where matter takes us. Have something more reliable. Yeah, I've done a tiny bit of Googling while you were talking there. And my version of Hue is probably not going to receive a thread update but will support the chip standard which means that lamps that are paired with Hubridge will be able to communicate with devices from other manufacturers that support the chip standard which i presume is the master standard of the chip so interesting yeah i'm, I'm interested to see where it all goes and i i would imagine i will get a few few things to play with over christmas because I, I know you've done the garage door opener i want I was going to buy one of those, but I thought I just, I've just kind of dragged my heels and everything this year. I want some, I want to put a lock on my shed door where I podcast from, which is a smart lock. But again, I've held off because I want to see all the matter stuff. It is interesting seeing this home, home aware stuff when you're out in the world. So when I'm in Amsterdam and I'm getting notifications that somebody's opened the, the garage door or somebody's rung the doorbell or all that kind of stuff. Yeah, it's, it, you forget what that's like. The one that amused me the most was, and they're an Android household, they're not an Apple household, is that while we were away, Clearly, one of my one of my colleagues, somebody I work with, had left her husband looking after the kids while they were off and out and about. And on the Saturday, on the way back, she started getting all these notifications that the washing machine was was going crazy. So he'd obviously panicked on the last day and was get he put on four loads of washing while we were sat in Skeepal Airport. So that amuses me no end. You can't get away from what your spouse has been at while you've been away. Wow, I don't know how to use the washing machine to be fair, <laughs> but it is interesting. And we've got a couple of cameras here. And like, yeah, my wife can see when I come and go and I can see when she comes and goes. But I, I turn off most of the alerts. I just want to know, has something happened? Has it detected a person overnight or something? That's more the thing. I want the exceptional stuff, not the everyday stuff. Yeah, I can see why it does it. And I don't want to know about the washing machine. You know, starting or stopping and washing. I think given the cost of living increases, if you can set your washing machine to go at one in the morning, that's useful. I don't necessarily need to know when it started. When it stopped, I could see it being more useful, but not when it started. Anyway, I just thought it was amusing. I agreed. So I think the home stuff's looking quite interesting. 
hoping a year from now we're in this matter world and we're all going, it's fantastic. Everything's so much more reliable. That's what we all want, I think, is quicker. The Hopefully the thread technology will bring this so that when you do turn something on and off, it goes a lot quicker to the device where I'm going up to the sky and back down. Absolutely. And and fundamentally that it works across it. So if you're an Alexa person or an Amazon person or a Google person or an Apple person, it all just works together. Anyway, that's the dream. We'll see. Talking about devices being helpful, there's a report which I've put in the show notes about an Apple Watch Series 8 owner who had a car crash when he smashed into a pole and the Apple Watch informed the emergency services and somebody came to get him within five minutes. I thought that was quite impressive. Well, that's fantastic, isn't it? Because something's doing what it's set out today fantastic it's, it's good to, it's good when technology does that i think yeah it's it's working as advertised and unlike the slightly sadder story we talked about before where everybody in the car was deceased unfortunately by the time that the, the emergency services got there uh, this chap obviously benefited from it he'd only just bought it a week and it went and did this for him after it so yeah very agreed next up Next up, we've got the the ongoing con- controversy, and I got to say, he's not a, a musician I follow particularly well. But Kanye West made some fairly anti-Semitic comments and had a fashion line and appeared on a runway somewhere with a offensive phase o- phrase on it, and then went on to sort of double down on that. And as a consequence of this, he had a fashion line with Adidas have pulled all all of his work out of the fashion line. It's cost him billions. It's apparently cost him most of his market value. More than that, he's turned out to be a fairly unpleasant person, which, you know, it is what it is. We've seen a bit of this going on in the world at the moment. Despite it costing him lots of money, Apple have been the first brand that have done something. And i got to say, it's a bit half-hearted what they've done but they've pulled all of his playlists, not his music, but his playlists and his video playlists from the service. But even that's more than Spotify have done at this point. So I thought it was interesting they're actually taking a bit of a position while not actually taking the, the final position, which would be to remove all Kanye's music from the, app, from the Apple Music Store. This is a tricky one though, isn't it? And it reminds me a bit of Kevin Spacey a few years ago. And look, I'm sure we've all watched a bunch of Kevin Spacey films that we all love. He's done some fantastic stuff. I don't agree with him as a person. And it's I think it's kind of the same with Kanye. Look, I'm not a big Kanye West fan. I don't really know much of what he's done. But it's really tricky is you kind of want to do the right thing morally, but then do you let do you let the work still stand, I guess, is the question. And I kind of agree with you. Taking the playlist off is a bit it's a bit half-hearted, but I kind of think the music should stay, as should Kevin Spacey's films, because they're still a body of work in its own right. So it's a really tricky one. Yeah, I mean, does it does it become censorship at the point where you know you've you've got to let things stand as they are? I thought it was interesting that the chief executive of Spotify said it's down to the record label. If the record label decide it's offensive enough that they've found it, then we'll pull the music out because they're the people that make the decision rather than what their feeling is. We know Spotify can be a bit rubbish at pulling stuff anyway, based on what we talked about last time with the Joe Rogan podcast. But yeah, it's a bit mealy mouth from Apple. They've done something. It's not really enough, but I, I mean, your your point is absolutely correct. It's you let the art stand for itself, even if the artist himself becomes problematic. Mm, yeah, I, I'm kind of sorry. I was just looking a bit more into it. I'm kind of with you on it. I think you've got to let the art stand. But what else do Apple do though? I mean, should they've left the playlist though, so you can enjoy the art? It's it's very hard to say. I mean, you could go back to you know, it's not an egregious example these days. Hitler Hitler wrote a book, Mein Kampf. Is the burning of the book after his, his a problem? Because you, shouldn't you let what triggered that those awful events in history stand as much as anything else? 
or does it become a banned book? I mean, we're not going to answer it. It's a very moral problem on this podcast, but it is interesting when you start thinking about those kinds of things. Some things are so egregious that they shouldn't be left to stand, perhaps. It's, it's, it's very difficult, and thankfully we don't need to make decisions like this, I've got to say, but what he did was reprehensible. It should be punished in some way. I think Adidas are absolutely right to have cut ties with him from that point of view. It's a line of clothing. Adidas would have made money out from the past and not giving that back, but they shouldn't let him make money from that in the future. Now, I, I, I'm with you on this one. I think Adidas have done the right thing of, right, you're not a nice person. We can all ties from today. They're going to lose loads of money against it, but equally, they could have possibly lost even more money if they carried on because it would play out very badly. But I think they've done exactly the right thing. Cut your ties now. Whatever's happened, happened. You didn't know how bad a person he was. Oh, it's, it's just, he's a very strange person for, is all I, all I take away from it. There is something about celebrity that seems to entitle to you a certain amount of craziness. And we've seen that repeatedly over and over and over. And I'm sure it's got nothing to do with drug taking behavior or just vast amounts of money and how that insulates you from the rest of the world. But there you go. Anyway, I just thought it was an interesting story. Apple's position on it is always mm, kind of half in the middle, really, rather than sort of taking some sort of decisive action one way or another. But yeah, there it is. There it is. Shall we move on? Moving on. So that's a good link from one media thing to another. We don't have many stories this week for media. Apparently there's a Slow Horses Season 2 trailer. So I don't know if we had seen this before. I hadn't. And I watched it. And I thought, this is fantastic. So we watched Slow Horses, can't remember, about six months ago, I would say. Loved it. I've read some of the books since. I think it's a fantastic series. I would love to read more. Season 2, if it's in relation to book two is actually set not far from where i live so there's uh, it's quite interesting i just thought the trailer looked fantastic just carrying on in the same vein and slow horses is basically about all the my five rejects and i thought it was fantastic so really looking forward to the second season of that and it kind of makes me want to go back and watch season one again yeah i thoroughly enjoyed season one i thought it was very well done gary oldman was excellent in it all the rest of the stars the, the actors and things that they picked to do it was great it was a good story well told so i'd be really happy to see season two i didn't know the season two trailer had dropped so when we finished podcasting i might go off and have a look at that you know very good good news for me obviously i haven't had an awful lot of time to consume media because i've been flying hither and thither and been hard at work However, I did, when I got back, have a chance to finally watch the House of the Dragon finale. So that's 10 episodes of that. What an excellent season this has been. It's been a little patchy in places, but overall I'd say the quality level is back to early Game of Thrones. If you have been hesitant, and I've spoken to a few people in person who've been very hesitant to go back and do something in this universe because they were so badly burned by the last two seasons of Game of Thrones that they'd never go back and touch it again. Do it. It's back at the quality level of the, of the first seasons of Game of Thrones, certainly. Some amazing performances. I've mentioned Paddy Constantine a few times in this, and, and he, he well, without spoilers, he's not been in the last couple for, for good reason. But people like Matt Smith have been phenomenal in it. The younger actors and actresses they've been they picked to play the children before time jumps were phenomenal. It's a good story, extremely well told. Some of the CGI, I know you had problems with some of the Apple TV Plus things, particularly in For All Mankind, when the Mars shots with the dragon riding looked a little bit off to me, but I can deal with it. It's it's just very well done. And they haven't had to resort to a massive battle to finish it on. They've just stuck largely to political intrigue and all that kind of stuff, which I actually appreciate far more. Yeah, sometimes, you know, yeah, big finale and it yeah, if it's not in the vein of the rest of the season, could ruin it, I guess. I think the CGI, when it's bad CGI or not fantastic CGI, it just stands out when you're watching such a good show. It, you know, it can really stand out, I think. Yeah, no, it's well done. I've thoroughly enjoyed that. So not a lot of time to consume much else this time. I did manage to see the trailer for Ant-Man and the Wasp 3, which is called Quantum Mania, I think. 
So that was two and a half minutes, something like that. I like them, the Disney films. Speaking of things that have a big finale, all the Disney films have the, have the huge sky laser at the end of it and the Battle of CGI Robots or something like that. I'm sure that will be in this too because every Marvel film does it. But yeah, that looks good. You know what you're getting with that. Setting up the next big bad guy for the next sequence of Avengers films too, so that's quite an important one. And yeah, I'll be keen to watch that when it comes out next year. But other than that, I've done no other media. Same, very little in my house. Busy, busy old week. Busy old week. And for the same reason, moving on to games, I've had about 15 minutes to play a little bit of Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2. I talked about it last week when the beta was out. I was playing the campaign. I played the Amsterdam level. I'm sure I mentioned that last week. But just to have played a game other than Slay the Spire on my iPad as it was here, there and everywhere, I played 15 minutes of Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2 multiplayer. I played the invasion mode, which is a great way to rank up your guns for anybody who's listening. Yep, it's great. It does what it says in the tin. I had a nice steady 150 frames per second on my setup. Not too stuttery. It was all very, very good. I'm quite, quite impressed. And maybe when we're done podcasting, if I don't fall asleep, I'll go back and have another quick go. Sounds good. Yeah, I do like card, but I will pick that when it's on sale in about a year from now. Well, you got Vanguard you're working your way through, as I seem to recall, last time we talked. Yeah, I have bought Vanguard. I haven't played as much. I have having another t- attempt at GT7 because my son was playing. I thought, oh, it looks really good. I go and have a go. And because, to be fair to the people that make Gran Turismo, they've added some more cars and some more tracks and some more missions to do on it. It's like, actually, that's quite nice. They, I've paid, I paid £70 for the game. Between me and my son, we've played it a lot. We've enjoyed it. We've completed it. But they keep adding some more stuff, which is fantastic. And I haven't spent any more money on it since I purchased it. I actually have a little bit of feedback on this. I meant to talk about it on the show a couple of weeks back that I happened to go into the game optimizer thing on my shiny new television and it tells me only getting 60 frames per second at a Gran Turismo 7. So I haven't had a chance to figure out why yet, but everything seems to be switched on on the television. Everything seems to be switched on on the PlayStation. I'm wondering if it's the cable. I think there's two options in the game. I think you can do look best and lower performance or keep the performance high at all times at the cost of the look uh, i only know because i've sent up my other son to play on it today as his own profile and he was going through it through the screen i think it was that game unless it was dirt five he was playing i can't remember but some games do have that do you prioritize performance or quality hmm. i wonder about the cable too though it just seems to be locked in at 60 frames per second and i did go and fiddle with the graphic settings in gran turismo so I, there's something odd going on there yeah, and you made me now think I should go check mine. Mm, worth a look, I think, just to make sure. You know, you pay all that money for 120 frames per second television. I wanted to be giving me 120 frames per second. So I might report back on that next week as well if I have any resolution to figure out. Resolution, that's not a display scaling joke or a fresh rate joke. But yeah, there we go. I will have a look too. So that's it. Should we move on to the main show? Yeah, let's do it. And I think it's going to be fairly short as well because for obvious reasons that we've been talking, neither of us had a lot of time to do an awful lot of this stuff this week, but at least we managed to bring you a show full of news. Did I tell you about my daughter trying to install software on her MacBook Air last week? So my daughter started at university. She's doing a degree at university. She has been asked as part of her statistics model to install a piece of software called R. Are you familiar with R, Chris? I've heard of it, but I know very little about it. I'm aware of it being a language. So it's a language. It's very statistically based. The idea is you can do lots of stats type things and lots of maths type things and things we do in my line of work, analysty type things very easily. The R language itself is free. It's based on Fortran, would you believe, if you go back on all those days. So when we shifted to Apple Silicon devices, it took a long time for us to get an Apple Silicon version of it because the original Fortran compiler hadn't been changed for a very long time, as you can imagine. Anyway, it doesn't look like Fortran's now like Fortran, but it still depends on some way you're from. So the R language is free. You go to an open source site, see 
a CRAN site to download things. You install the base R language, and then to make it easier, there's of course a, a development environment that's come about as a part of that, and most people use R Studio. They'd given the link to install R Studio, but had given no instructions about how to install the R language itself. So she'd installed R and was getting all these bizarre, weird, random errors on you know what to do with this. She's got enough, just enough computer now and how to get to get a DMG, download it, and drag it into the applications folder, which is again a process I think Apple makes very, very difficult. It's not always the most straightforward thing to install software, which is one of the reasons I think iPads are good because you go to the App Store, you download it, and it's done. Had no clue about installing the R language, and I wonder if it hadn't been me, who even as a Mac person knows a fair bit about you know, Max and all the rest of it. I happen to know you have to do this for R to get her up and running with it. I wonder how many other people in her class struggled with doing something fairly basic and fundamental. I, and for her, genuinely, I think this is her first exposure to how difficult it can be to install software. And this wasn't the most difficult thing. But I thought it's just interesting as a comparison to, you know, you want to do something simple with your iPad for, for your kids and then what they're facing in their future for what, how this goes. Yeah, it's going to be super interesting. And still, I, I meet various people at work and I tell them I just use an iPad all the time. You know, for, uh, the work at other companies have very similar jobs to me. They look at me like, are you mad? Uh, how do you do that? And it's like, well, for me, it works. But there are, it, I think the iPad still isn't there. But what I do love with the iPad is the simplicity of it, even though I'm a bit techie. But you just described what your door was going through. I'd probably be in a similar boat if I had to install it on my Mac because it's something I just don't know about. And like you say, how would you find out about it? Um, and I do agree with you on the DMG piece. That's always a bit archaic. Yeah, I mean, for most people, they wouldn't buy an island. They'll be Mac people all the time. But but genuinely, this is you're you're 19. You go to university. You've probably just used iPads or your, or a browser on your computer forever and ever and ever. And six weeks into your course, somebody says, "Right, you're going to have to install this piece of software, which you know is fairly fundamental to doing stats, and we're going to teach you how to use a programming programming language for the first time and all the rest of it." And actually, you think about it, that's not something you and I faced. We downloaded probably Borland, Pascal. I don't remember the first thing that they taught us back in the day. I think it might have been. Yeah, well, we're both frowning at the screen now because we don't remember. I don't remember. Pascal definitely did at college. I can't remember what we did at uni. Yeah. Anyway, whatever it was, it would have all been contained within the undoubtedly Windows file that we downloaded at that point to get it up and running. So and I know that changed later on when I influenced you with the Max things and you thought that's where I want to be. But that very first exposure to, well, some exposure to programming would have been Here's an executable from Windows. Double-click this, install it. Linux people would have not, are not the problems because it would have installed the dependencies, maybe. So, yeah, it's just interesting that they're going to be hitting this now. It's not just Office. It's not this. And all university students doing a degree, are you know, they need to do some level of stats, except you're maybe doing surfing or hamburgerology. But, I, you know, I just it's fascinating to me what happens next. She's got this thing. Will she ever use it again on a computer once the stats part's completed? Or is this the beginning of, that's quite interesting. I might sort of start digging around with this. Yeah, well, I guess though she's learned some skills though, just how to use a computer and install stuff and maintain it, which she's going to need. We said last week that we'd maybe do a little bit of e-bike follow-up. I think that was our decision, yeah? Yep. So I thought I'd talk about what I bought. So I have bought a, a Vanmoof S5, which as it happens is a Dutch brand and I hadn't really made this connection that I was going to Amsterdam. So I ordered my Vanmoof S5 after doing a little bit of research on this with the Vanmoof S3. So it's a push bike, it's got a battery in it. One of the nice things about the design is that it's very clean, there's no sort of external batteries hanging off it or anything like that. The Vanmoof S3 was a very well-received bike. If you go on the Verge website or you look on YouTube for Vanmoof S3, there's lots of videos about what a good bike is. You have to pedal it all the time. It's not one of these that are about like, you can just flick a switch and it will ride along for you. You need to actively pedal. It will give you a certain amount of support on that. 
and there's a boost button if you want to you know pedal faster in the uk it's limited i forget what it is but just on battery it will only boost you up to like 17.7 miles per hour or something like that there's some sort of top end that it can do it on i ordered this on the 22nd of april 2023 22 i got a pre-production delay on the 19th of august 2022 about the time it was meant to be delivered telling me there was going to be a 30-day delay shortage due to shortage of materials and then i got a 73-day delay shortage due to shortage of materials at the end of that month so it's now forecasted to be delivered to me in, Jan in january 2023 all that is to say that's quite annoying and what makes it even more annoying is that when I went to Amsterdam, they were everywhere. And it wasn't the Van Moof S3. There were a few of them around. It was the Van Moof S5. And you know that. They look quite similarly externally, except that the S5 is only really available in sort of the nice grey colour that they do. And it's actually written on the frame just in front of the saddle. And whenever I saw one parked up everywhere, Amsterdam's full of bicycles, I wandered, wandered over and had a look. Lots of S5s in Amsterdam. Were they doing it just to taunt me? I don't know. Lots of questions. What's the so I did look at a van move a while ago because we do a bike to work scheme where I am and I thought, oh, this could be a good excuse and I could sell my uh, two bikes. So I do have two bikes, I've got a road bike and a mountain bike. I don't use them anywhere near enough. And I thought, oh, maybe I'll consolidate and get one. But what's the difference between an S3 and an S5? The biggest difference is the battery's a little bit bigger and they've fixed the gearbox effectively. So lots of problems with the gearbox where it would hunt around looking to change a gear, which is really important on an e-bike because you're able to apply so much power through the drivetrain. So they'd miss gears, they'd sort of clonk around between them, they'd be quite noisy, they'd lose drive while you were cycling and all that kind of stuff. And they've fixed all that in the S5, certainly in the prototype versions that have been there. So that was that was really important. They've changed a lot of the display elements on it as well. So that's it's a good point for me to sort of dive back into the design and then maybe continue with the questions. The nice thing about them, like I said, is the battery is integral to the frame, so nobody can sort of make off with your battery. So that's all there. They've tried to limit all the wires and things like that are external to the bike as well. So there are brake cables; they disappear into the frame. You get, you know, they're not tacked along the edge of the frame, so it's all in one place, which also lets them do things like have integrated lights that are sort of sensitive to ambient light levels as well. So you don't need to worry; it's getting a bit late, particularly in the winter when I get this bike. Hopefully, that that you know the the lights are actually built into it. It's not another thing you have to clip on or take you with you. Most UK bikes still only come with reflectors and things like that. It has a speed indicator built into the frame, so there's LEDs built into the frame around the the handles around the brakes at the front, so it'll give you how fast you're going, give you an indication. It's got a mount that you can stick your iPhone or your Android phone phone on with a Qi charger as well, so you can just plonk it on the center of the flame for it and it will balance while charging your phone while you ride. I quite like that. It's very securely done. You're making a face, Chris. I can see that on the camera. Uh, you just said it would balance, which isn't no, really no, no, weird. You want it, with it, your thousand-pound iPhone it, on it, a bike. It magnetizes onto the frame. It's a little bit about that. And then the app tells you more stuff about it. It'll give you very precise speed indication how far you've cycled this week, this month, this year. I presume it integrates with Apple Fitness and stuff very well as well. They seem very hot on the app side of it. So it can charge your phone while you ride. It's got an integral lock and a kickstand. So that's quite nice that it's very, again... But you can tell this in the Netherlands, where they're far more used to having bikes around than we do. None of the bikes are locked to anything. You don't see chains attached to them at bike stands or anything. They just have locks on them with keys. Flip down the kickstand and they walk away. Because there's so many bikes, they don't expect a thief just to walk off. Board. And I was walking past all these £2,500 bikes going, this is madness. How can you do this? You know, How can you just click a lock into place and then do it? So that's a far. But to balance that they have a scheme where you pay another 300 pounds and they will replace your bike if they can't recover it so if anybody steals it they'll just give you a new one because they've got things like apple find my built into the frame of the bike 
So it just becomes like your AirTag or your phone or your AirPods or something like that. As long as somebody with an iPhone has wandered by it, Find My is built into the device, which I just, which I just think is super cool. Yeah, it is cool. So you, you maybe wander off down the rabbit hole of their website because I love their whole design language. It's really, really neat. Their bikes look amazing. They do look, look really good. So you're going to have an electric bike. You will charge up at home, I guess, and plug it in the wall. Yep. Okay. And you can balance your phone on it for maps. Magnetize your phone on it. That worries me a little bit because I think you've mentioned it before. Like in your in your car or in your daughter's car, your the phone will fall, fall off. It's it's possible. I haven't read that properly, and you probably may may need some sort of very special case that locks into place or something. As as I said, I was thinking maybe there's a little bit more to that than that. I, th- I think they look super interesting. Have you, have you had a go on one, or is this the first time you've seen one while you're abroad? It's the first time I'd seen one in person while I was abroad. I watched all the video reviews, like I said, and it was enough to convince me it was a thing. And it's interesting what you said there about the design language. It's like if Apple made a bike, you think it would be something like this. Yeah, definitely. Bit of tech in there. Really modern design. Very minimalist. I, th- I think the design's lovely. And actually, I had looked into buying one, like I said, about a year ago. And I kind of just kicked it down the road a little bit because I was like, actually, I don't need one at the moment but i do quite fancy one if i'm honest and i've got two bikes in the sh- in the garage and i was like i could move to move to one well i think you should so, I think fantastic. yeah so just to add a little bit more it's 15.5 miles per hour in the uk that they're locked to not 17 point whatever but you can obviously pedal them faster than that once you're pedaling that's just what the battery will boost you to the range on full power mode is 37 miles which is okay but then 93 miles if you're willing to pedal a bit at the same time is on economy power mode it's really quite impressive actually you know you can go quite a long way on a bike for 93 miles they sell or will will soon a clip on battery to it as well, so you can charge the bike up while you while it's parked somewhere. So you know, like a MagSafe battery for your fo- for your bike as well as for your phone if you wanted. So that's quite a nice thing that you can just clip it on and extend your range or something like that, or leave it charging while it's parked up at the office. So sort of quite nice accessories, quite thoughtful. They come with mud guards and all that kind of stuff as well. Uh, a major problem in the UK is it, well, and and the Netherlands it rains quite a lot, so it's quite a good thing that they give you that sort of a standard when it comes with it. Yeah, no, I, I really like it. And then, can you take these things on transport in the UK? Because, but I was looking actually, because I've been going to London, I was like, should I get like a little folded bike or something? And I looked, I wonder if you get one of these e-scooters. And then it's like, oh, you can't take anything with batteries on like the underground and things, which I, I do kind of get. I don't know what the rules are around any of this. I wouldn't have thought you could get one of these S5s on the underground. Maybe the... No, not the underground, but you could get one of these more on... A normal train i assume you can just take it on a regular train i would have thought so i would have thought so i, I don't see it being a massive problem and it's probably quite a heavy bike i don't know what i don't have in front of me how much how much it weighs but it's not gonna be insane that brompton do make a fold-up one that's similar to this i think so you can sort of get that little bit of boost when you're out and about with it doesn't look as cool i gotta say no this does look awesome it does look quite well built so potentially heavy for well, a bike well what was interesting is there was obviously quite a lot of the s3 model around and i gotta think the dutch hammer their bikes because it's their primary mode of transport the amount of people with you know the one that really got to me was boyfriends cycling girlfriends or wives to to nights out on on the friday night we were there and these women were just side saddle on the frames of the bike putting on their makeup while they were getting pushed you know pedaled down the road i'm thinking what happens with your eyeliner you know you go over a bump or something your eyeliner but what a different culture 
you know, and I was really thoroughly impressed. I don't think last time I was in Amsterdam, I appreciated how much of their culture is rooted in cycling to here, cycling to there, and then just being part of it. And the cycle lanes and cycle tracks and the scheme for bikes, and they've got their own sequence of, you know, lights and crossings and passings and all that kind of stuff. It's just so different. You've got babies in them. They're in carriers. They're there from a very young age. Nobody wears helmets. It's just such a different cycling culture to what we have in the UK. Yeah, it's more part of just life, isn't it, I guess? I No, I think it looks fantastic. And it's bad it's taking so long. If you went and ordered one today, they said the delivery's February. Mm, we'll which see. is just a month after yours well potentially a month after yours well i was forgot if i thought about it before i went i might have been knocking on the door of the factory going where's my blooming bike frankly because it uh, th- you've obviously got plenty of them around here you for home audience first which actually i'm fine with if they sell the bulk of their bikes in the netherlands and the dutch make use of them as much as they do fair enough i can't really i can't really fault them for that and do you think your cycle to work I think it will cycle to work, and I think it will make me hopefully at the weekend cycle a little bit further. Because I, same boat as you, I've got a bike in the garage already. There's nothing wrong with it. It's a hybrid, so somewhere between a racer and a, 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 a mountain bike, and it just sits there with flat tires most of the time. To be honest, which is a bit of a shame. Yeah, same. Like I so said, I've got two. I've got a mountain bike and a hybrid, and I don't use either of them enough. Yeah, so I hope this spurs me. It's a strange way of spurring me. On, on a similar note, it, there, most of the cars, or quite a lot of the cars, and the charging network for EVs in Holland was far more impressive than ours. You know, there were EV charging spaces almost everywhere I went. It's just more advanced. That is the thing at the moment. My wife's car's up next year. And would we get? Would we go to two EVs, or would we have one EV, like, which I've got, and do we carry on with some form of petrol-based car? Because I... I'm just nervous the charge network isn't quite that yet. Yeah. Yeah. I suspect having these electric bikes, probably the Dutch were into that before we were, which meant when more EVs were there, they were already in the mindset that we'll be we charged the bikes here, there, and everywhere. Therefore, we're going to charge the cars as well. So they thought about it. Yeah, potentially. It's interesting. I was saying the same when we, we were on holiday, we were on a small island. It's like they could just electrify the whole island and get rid of petrol and diesel kind of thing. Totally. You know, it's a, a lot more doable, isn't it? Of, uh, it's much smaller country. Yeah, good. That's all I've got. Any other questions about Van Moof bikes or just more updates when I get them? More updates when you get it, but I love it in that I like the idea you can lock the bike. Because I always think that when we go out with the children, we leave our bikes just outside the shop or something. Like, why am I trying to chain it to something? I think that's brilliant. And the fact it's got a fine wire now, I think it's kind of cool. It is cool. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to get it. I was so excited that I was going to get it before the summer when I ordered it in April. I knew it was going to take a little bit of time, but I thought I'll get the tail end of summer. It'll be great. And then January, you think, you know, it's going to be wet and rainy and icy. And I'm, I don't really want to take my two and a half grand bike and slide it down the road and sc- scuff the frame up and stuff, really. So it's a thought. I think it's going to be cool. I'm, yeah, I'm envious. We'll see if it comes. Be envious when it comes. At the moment, I've just spent a lot of money and seen nothing back. <laughs> yeah, there is, is that. But I, I get these to work, which I am interested in. Like I say, a cycle to work scheme, you get something like this. Fantastic. Yep. I will feed back when I get it. Good. Okay. Almost finished. I thought I'd feed back another little thing, that an app of the week. So trying out Stage Manager on the iPad made me try it out on my Mac. I absolutely hate it. <laughs> Maybe it'll grow on me as I force myself to use it more. I think the external display thing on the iPad that you're talking about has come along as will maybe help. But it made me think, actually, the Mac doesn't do windowing particularly well either. You can do the side-by-side thing with the windows, which... The thing that really annoys me about it is if you drag, uh, you don't even drag on it, you press and hold on the green plus button on the Mac and it will say, well, all right, where do you want it? Left half of the screen, right half of the screen. 
and then you must pick an app to fill in the other side of the screen, which you don't always want to do. So I went looking for a windowing app. So in the same way that Windows and Linux has snapped to sides of the screen for you, you can pick an app, drag it, pull it to one side of the screen. It'll, fill, it'll give you a transparent outline of how it's going to look when you snap it to that side of the screen. I wanted something similar for the Mac. So I went off and I found, which is, it's not open source, but it is a free app. It's called Rectangle, link in the show notes. It's an overlay that will do this exact same behavior on the Mac. So it will let you snap things to the left-hand side of the screen or the right or the top or the bottom to take up X amount of space. There's keyboard controls for it as well. And it doesn't force you into full screen mode where you must pick something else for the other side of the screen. It works really well. I'm very impressed with it. And if you want that kind of control over your windows, frankly, it's the kind of thing Apple should have built into the operating system anyway. It's a shame it took Ventura for this to, uh, to come out and uh, make me actually look at, look at it and how bad screen ma uh, stage manager is. So yeah, that's just my little recommendation. Another free app of the week, Rectangle, worth a look. No, I think it looks good app. And yeah, it's weird, isn't it? Windows has got a lot right in this area at the moment. Um, and I kind of agree with you. You just want to be able to go throw that up over there and I'll, I'll put something in the space in a minute when I'm ready for it. And you may not want to fill half the space. You may put it in a quarter or whatever. So I do get it. Exactly. That's all I've got, Chris. I think that's it. I think that's a short show this week. Short show. That's not a bad thing. People can have a bit of their lives back for a bit. Speak to you next week, Chris. And if you do want to get in touch with us, you can email us at wakefromsleep at protonmail.com or drop us a line on Twitter at WFS underscore podcast. Talk to you next week. Cheers, Rod. Right.